I'm going to dive in to our message today, but I'm going to start with a confession. I always intend to get up here with a prepared message of what God's laid in my heart, but my confession is this week it was kind of busy. And so I got behind, and so I went to ChatGPT, which is an AI service. If you're not familiar with that, you put in some prompts into ChatGPT, and then it spits out a product. It'll write something for you. And so I told ChatGPT, this AI, that I wanted to preach a message on joy and use the classic song. And I wanted the classic song to be the theme of it as we experience joy at this time of season. And so I didn't have much time today, but I printed it off. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to share this sermon. with Chat, You don't think I'm serious. Um, <laughs> let's just see how this goes. We'll hear this for the first time together, okay? <laughs> Welcome, church. Today we delve into the depths of a joyous celebration as the hymn goes, Joy to the Lord. Oh, let our hearts resonate with jubilation as we honor the arrival of Jesus. Hey, this is a good sermon. Let us ponder the profound depth within these lyrics. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. I don't remember that line. He was a good friend of mine. I helped him drink his wine. Wait. Pause and reflect on the symbolism, Jeremiah, a bullfrog, symbolizing resilience, and I, in a moment of camaraderie, aiding him in his merriment, a testament to the bonds of friendship and sharing. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Now I think we're back on track. Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. What a jubilant proclamation of inclusivity from every boy and girl and every creature under the water encompassed in a symphony of joy celebration. May the song Joy to the World echo in our hearts always, reminding us to cherish friendships, embracing harmony, and yes, even partake in the sharing of a bullfrog's wine. Amen and hallelujah. There's a generation in this room that doesn't get that. (laughs) Ask your parents, they'll explain it to you. Here's the point. We don't get what we expect a lot of time, right? We're hoping for one outcome, and we get something completely different. And we have tied, in many ways, our happiness to getting what we expect and hope to get. So therefore, when I don't get what I hope to to get when somehow it falls short of what I get, my happiness goes away. What I would share with you today in the message of Christmas, this coming of Jesus into the world, is that our joy is not the same as our happiness. Perhaps you've heard it before, happiness is based on happenstance, or happiness is based on what happens to you. But our joy is founded in a completely different place. And so, if there's any good news I have for you today, is that you can have joy, a deep, resounding joy in your life that is 
perhaps even at odds with what is currently happening in your life. Because your joy need not be dependent on your happiness. Now, before you think that these are simply nice platitudes that I'm providing here, that, well, that's a nice way to think about it, Scott, but that doesn't really change the year that I'm having or the year that I think I'm about to have. But if you'll allow for a moment to press pause on the defense mechanism that wants to push back on that and give an, an, a hearing, not necessarily to my words, but to what was proclaimed thousands of years ago in a place far away from this location because it echoes throughout time and history till today and I think you'll see that that joy can be sourced someplace else. If you have your Bibles uh, or your apps, I want you to open to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we find the story of the coming of Jesus into the world. And it's the classic one where we get the most of our images that come this time of year. We have the manger scene. We have Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus wrapped in the swaddling clothes. I want to use that story because I think it's one of the stories that so often, if we're not careful, it's sweet, which it is. And it's so wonderful and nostalgic, which it also is, that we can let it go by us too quickly without paying attention to what is this awe-inspiring, paradigm-shifting message that is contained in these few verses. Right before it, in the beginning of chapter 2, we have Joseph and Mary, and Mary's already been promised and proclaimed that she's going to bring Jesus into the world. And she's, the prophecy says they're going to bring, Jesus is going to be born in a town called Bethlehem. But we're told that Jesus, I mean, that Joseph and Mary are both from Nazareth. They're in their own town. They're in their own place. But centuries ago, the prophecy said it would come from Bethlehem. And this is so crazy, but what God does is he works on a global scale. And he has Caesar decide that Caesar wants to get an accounting of all of his empire, get a registration going. And so Caesar, from the highest point of power, sends the word down that his entire empire will be accounted for, and that causes a census to be taken or a registration to be taken. And this registration, you have to go back to your town of your family origin. And so that prompts... Mary and Joseph to make the 70-mile trip from where they are to Bethlehem. God uses the most powerful man in the world to get this couple to take a road trip. That's how he's at work. And they arrive in the town. They're probably trying to stay with family because that's where they're from. And perhaps because of so many people coming into the town that when they arrive at this family's house, the family takes them in, but they don't have a bedroom for them. And so they put them in the room, which perhaps was even the bottom level of the house, where the livestock is kept, because they're trying to provide for them. 
And it's in this context that Jesus is born in the middle of a night in an out-of-the-way place in a small podunk town. Jesus comes in. And then as Luke accounts for the story, it's almost like the camera zooms into that moment and just as we see the birth occur, he swings the camera out into the fields and it is dark out there. And then, So I'm going to read through this part of the passage and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the joy that we have. I'm going to start in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. The camera slides out to the outside of Bethlehem, and Luke makes a point to tell us it was night. And Luke wants to do a couple things because he wants to know us that this is a dark time. He's not just telling what it's like in the atmosphere, that it's dark, but that it is dark both physically and he's also letting us know he's dark spiritually. He does this throughout his, his gospel. And we have to understand that's dark, dark. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine because we grew up around so many lights in our Phones have lights on them. And we can pretty much create light or get around light anytime we need. In fact, we have a whole new word called light pollution. Have you heard that word? I have to think about this when I go, would go out to my grandmother in the country. And if it was a moonless night and the sun's already gone down, she had one light on this farm that she had, one outside, outside light. And some of you may be old enough to remember this. You ever heard a light that made noise? You could hear it. It's a mercury vapor light. And it just had a hum and a buzz toward it. Well, if that went out, it was just dark. I mean, like, dark, dark. That's what I'm understanding the shepherds were experiencing. And they're out with the flock. Perhaps they've got a little fire going. We don't know. But... In a moment, against this ink-black darkness, an angel appears. And an angel has a very particular message. And so that's where we're going to zoom in on today, is this in verse 10. But read it again. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. I'm going to examine that just for the next few minutes. If you want to circle these words that I've got circled here, that I've got highlighted here, because I want you to reflect on them, because 
the angel begins this way, do not be afraid. Now, we've already said in this series, we talked about any time an angel shows up, that's usually the first words out of their mouth, don't be afraid. Because remember, they're not cute. They're powerful warrior messengers. And now, here these guys are in the dark, and suddenly one's hovering over their heads, lighting up the sky. But when he says, do not be afraid, I believe he's saying something more than, don't just be afraid of my appearance right now. I think what he's doing is he's making a claim that you no longer have to be afraid of anything. Do not be afraid. Why do I think that? Because look at how he constructs the rest of his message. I'm bringing you good news. I am telling you something that will change the paradigm of your life from here on out. If you will look through this filter from now on, everything looks different. It will cause you great joy for all the people. Not just the shepherds. You see what the angel's message is? Not just the group of guys out watching the flock, but all people, all people at that time, all people through history, all people here, all people watching this online, all people, you included. And so he has this do not be afraid kind of joy. A couple of the translations I love use the phrase fear not. Fear not. And I want to suggest that we can have a fearless joy. In fact, I would make this statement. Christian joy is fearless joy. Do not be afraid. Christian joy is fearless joy because of the message that the angel brings to the shepherds that whatever your happenstance happens to be, whatever the situation you find yourself in life, it may not be the one you expected and it definitely may not be the one that you ever wanted. You can still have a deeply held vibrant Christian joy because it is a fearless joy. And the angel is going to tell us why it's fearless. But the good news, if you don't hear anything else in the rest of this message, that the coming of Jesus in the room, into the world brings this kind of joy, this kind of message, this kind of life-changing, life-altering vision realigning joy. And even if you've struggled with a relationship that's broken, with an economy that's not doing what you want it to do, with a disappointment after disappointment, with a test or a final like Justin talked about earlier that didn't go the way you wanted it, with something physically going on in your body that you're just sweating bullets over, with the sheer fact of just aging and you just feel like it's all catching up to you, or perhaps you're on the other end of life and you're still about to launch out into the world and you've got all your future and you're still trying to figure that out and it terrifies you, you can have a Christian joy that is fearless in all ways. So the question for you this, that this text is asking us is how can you experience this fearless joy 
in the coming year. See, this is tangible, and this matters in the now. So I'm going to give this to you, what the angel says, and we're going to move pretty quick. Fearless joy, the angel is going to root it here. Fearless joy is founded in the person and the purpose of Jesus. Fearless joy is founded in the purpose and the person of Jesus. Not in the happenings around us. But he says, I bring you good news because today is born Jesus. And he's rooting this fearless joy right there. And in fact, he uses very, um, three very distinct reasons that you can have this joy. He describes Jesus this way. He's a Savior, he's a Messiah, and he's the Lord. Savior first. Jesus, the angel describes Jesus as the, the Savior. He's saying that the one that's going to rescue you has come in. The Christian claim is simply this. I am a mess. I can't save myself. I need somebody else to do what I am incapable of doing. See, oftentimes we get the, the idea that the Christian claim is somehow what we're making a claim is that, that we're superior or we're holier than thou. If, if you're walking around thinking that the Christian claim is a holier than thou claim, you've got the wrong claim. Because the claim is, I'm a mess. I can't save myself. I'm in need of saving. Therefore, I'm in need of a Savior. The angel says, Jesus, the Savior, has come into the world. Then he calls him the Messiah, the Christ. And depending on which translation you look at, those words are used interchangeably. The Messiah is the Jewish idea that there's a promised one coming that will make all things right. Christ is the Greek word for that. That's where we come up with the word Christ. It means anointed one. Jesus is the one that's been promised. He's now here. The shepherds that day didn't expect him. They were watching their flocks doing what they've done day after day after day, night after night after night. They had no idea, and yet here's this great news that the one that's been promised has come. Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise of God. How do you know that you can have fearless joy? Because God always keeps his promises. And he's done it time and time and time again. And his track record is spotless in this. He has always kept his promises. And the fact that Jesus came that first Christmas is proof. And so as you go into 2024 with whatever you're facing, God keeps his promises because Jesus is not only Savior, he's Messiah. And the last one that he gives is he's Lord. He's the Lord. Luke uses the word the Lord 27 different times. 25 of those times he's talking about God the Father. Two of those times he's talking about Jesus. What does that mean? That means that what Luke is proclaiming and telling us and the angels were giving testimony to is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Look at the very verse that we're looking at right now. Um, Backs up just, just a little bit. 
he says, uh, the, the angel says, or first of all, Luke tells us that when the angels appear, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. An angel of the Lord appeared, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. He's talking about God the Father. These from God. But then without any type of problem, he shifts to today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And he's talking about Jesus clearly now. The miracle of Christmas is not that we get presents. The miracle of Christmas is that God wrapped himself up in flesh and showed up in the middle of our mess. That he showed up and he walked on this planet. And he didn't come to the high and lofty places. He showed up in an out-of-the-way backwater country in a backwater town. And the only people that got the message on the night of the birth are shepherds. But there was God in their midst in the manger. And it brought joy. Because Jesus is Lord, we do not serve a Lord that stands off at a far distance and says, good luck. What makes the Christian religion or belief unique is that we, Christianity does not teach us how to get to God. Christianity's message is that God came to us in the person of Jesus because we couldn't jump the gap. And we couldn't climb the mountain. And we couldn't perform enough rituals. And we couldn't go through enough emotions to come to you. And so Jesus has come to us. He's come to you. And it's God in the flesh. God has come to the neighborhood. And he's moved in. And he's here. And he's present. And he's kept his promises. And he is the Savior. This is why we can have a fearless joy because our God does not stand away from us, aloof from us, but he's ever present in our midst. And if you want to see a picture of God, if you want to understand that which seems to be a great mystery, and there's many things about God I understand, but if you want the best picture you can see of God, you look at Jesus and you spend some time focusing there and you're seeing God Literally, face to face. I, I love what Justin did during our communion. And he took us to that passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to take us there as we finish this out. Just as a reminder, Hebrews 12 says this, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about that phrase, for the joy set before him. Now, it does not say Christ found joy in the cross. That was agony and shame. But there is something about that that did motivate him. There was something that was set in front of him that he looked through the cross and saw and knew that he wanted to attain that. That that was pulling him forward. And it's this idea that Jesus was focused on this joy. And the question is, what is that? 
What, what was he willing to endure that the cross, with all of its shame, all of its agony, all of its punishment, all of its affliction, all the things that would just repel us from ever wanting to go that direction? What did he see beyond it? And he saw the opportunity to be in a relationship with you. Jesus was focused on joy because he was focused on you. This is the Savior. This is the Messiah. This is the Lord that we serve. And it says it was set before him. And what I see in that is that there were distractions around him. And Satan tried to pull him off of that task. But Jesus stayed focused on what was before him. And as we go into 2024, and for you to embrace this fearless joy, my encouragement is that you focus on what's in front of you. The purpose and the person of Jesus. That Jesus is the place, like the angels testified so many years ago, that Jesus is the place that our joy can be fearless and can be founded in. And let that bring you. But the problem is we're so distracted, right? We live life, when it, we're called in front of us, we live life doing this. And we see what they're doing over there, and then we see what they're doing over there, and then we go back over here. And guess what? We've got phones that help us do this, Right? There are so few times, and I'm, I really struggle with this, that I get through just mindlessly scrolling through social media that I actually feel better. Do you know they're actually coming up with words for scrolling now, psychology is? Gloom and doom scrolling. And the problem is that I'll get into scrolling and I start comparing my life, my house, even my preaching, my ministry to somebody else, and they're always going to win because it's always this beautifully curated piece. We're so distracted. And we look, and we look, and we look. And Jesus was able to say with the joy set before me, he endured the cross. So as we go into 2024, my encouragement is this. To find fearless joy, don't look around. Look up. Joy is found looking up at the one that came to the manger as a child and as Savior, Messiah, and Lord. So I'm going to let this be the last words, the words from the angels that said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's Messiah, the Lord. Let me pray for you. Father, help us to hear what the shepherds heard. And help us to look for what the shepherds looked for. And Father, may we find our joy rooted in the person of Jesus. 
And that in a very personal way that he would be our Savior. And he would be fulfillment of the promise that you've made to us. And Father, that he would be Lord. Father, I pray that whatever happenstance, whatever situation, each person that's hearing this message right now, whatever is affecting them and robbing them of their happiness, that you would replace it with joy. And you would let this coming year be the year that we focus on this fearless joy because of Jesus. I ask all this in the name of the one that endured the cross for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.